Hello, and welcome back to The Unlock. I'm Adam Delahanty, founder at Ghost, joined as always by Joey DeBruin, founder at Backdrop. On The Unlock, the goal of each episode is always the same. Decode how a cool project actually got built. We get into the weeds, we tell sticky, uncomfortable, annoyingly in-depth stories, and ideally come away with lessons and reflections for anyone trying to build really anything. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors at Seed Club for supporting The Unlock, for making this pod happen. Today, we are so excited to welcome Sari Azut, founder of Sublime. Sublime is the simpler, more communal way to build your second brain. Sari is the best, a deep thinker on a lot of topics, and I think her work really centers on one key question, which is, you know, how can we sort through the muck of digital life and try to pay attention to the right things. And how can we use networks and our friends to do that better? So Sari gets into it with us, into her journey, the key inflection points in her story and the story of Sublime. So honored she joined us. Please enjoy this latest episode of The Unlock with Sari Azud. Welcome, Sari. Thank you, Adam Joey. Awesome to be here. Um, I would love, yeah, I'd love to hear just from you the basics of this product as it stands today. And then we're going to go back in time. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm Sari. I am in the messy middle of building Sublime, which is launching privately in a few weeks. And you know, I describe Sublime as a simpler, more social way to build your second brain. And essentially, like I believe that the years that we spend in this sort of endless consumption loop mean nothing if we don't have a way to capture, to connect, to share, and to use that information that we're consuming to create new forms of knowledge and meaning. And so my vision for Sublime is to build the simplest way to collect and connect anything interesting you come across. Uh, And so maybe an analogy that works is like something like if Evernote had good taste and you were not alone in the tool, you were sort of augmented by by other people. Uh, So that's what we're building towards. And was there an an initial spark that just gave birth to this idea initially? What was that? It's funny. Um, it's been like a sequence of of sparks, um, but you know the initial spark for me was um, I consider myself somebody who's just in love with interesting ideas. I just love hanging out at the edges of the internet, finding and mining insights. Uh, and um, you know, like the world's greatest lie is that you'll remember that idea later, right? So um, a few years ago, I started. Uh, storing all of these insights um, and articles and things that I read uh, in on Airtable, which was a suboptimal tool for this. Uh, and I think that as I was doing this, that first spark was, why am I doing this alone? This game would be a lot more fun in multiplayer mode. And so uh, that initial spark was like, how do I get out of this like Airtable and just like build a community around me that's just like curating and connecting this stuff? Um, and so that, so that was like the first thing that, that prompted uh, Startup-y. At the time, uh, I was running strategy for a startup studio. So a lot of the content I was reading was, was like about startups. So I first sort of built Startup-y, which was the predecessor to Sublime, as a community-curated knowledge database um, for uh, startup knowledge. Um, and the vision, I think, from the beginning was a little bigger than that in the sense that Like Wikipedia is great for facts, right? But where do you go when you want to get the most interesting human subjective takes on a topic? 
Uh, and I felt that a lot of people were curating their own little knowledge bases in private corners of the web, which is what I had been doing. But I wanted to find a way to stitch together these graphs, um, if that makes sense. So for the last few years, your company has been called Startupy. You're now called Sublime. Can you give us the basics of that transition, that rebrand, and what that means? So we talked a little bit about um, the designer that we brought on uh, and how Startupy initially began um, as an Airtable database where I was mostly curating startup knowledge. When we put this in the hands of people, uh, I remember people asking me many times, like, I love, you know, this thing that I just read about consciousness. Can I add this to Startupy or is that, or is that out of scope? And so in that moment, I knew that the name was going to be like forever an uphill climb because I like, it was not about startup knowledge. It was about like the human knowledge project, um, and so, so, the, so the name was always going to be confusing, but the question was always like, what is the alternative, right? Like how, you know, what is like, um, you know, what is the, what is the name? And so I remember um, Gabe, who works with me um, on the team, texted me on a Saturday night um, and, you know, he just texted me sublime. And I said, and I responded, I think I responded something like the name quest, like for, like for our name. And he said like, yes. And like, I, I like, I remember Googling sublime and it's like the sense of wonder and possibility and you are nothing, but you are everything. And so in like, to me, that was just very symbolic of the kind of space that we wanted to build a space uh, that would just make you feel intellectually recharged, creatively nourished, full of wonder and possibility. I like that dichotomy of you are everything and you are nothing. And I wonder like if you were to consider for a moment, traditional social media, Traditional social social media lends itself toward which of those feelings? I think that traditional social media is incredibly self-centered because it's all oriented around vanity metrics, right? Like, uh, you know, people, when they post, like the measure of whether something resonated with someone is not just like how, like, you know, like who responds, but how much response there is, how many likes this gets, how many comments this gets. Uh, you know, how many followers do I have? And so it orients me to way too much around like myself and less so on the ideas. Uh, and so with Sublime, like, yes, my graph and my corner and my world, that really matters. That's a big part of my identity. Uh, but there are zero vanity metrics uh, because it's all about connecting ideas and we don't want like vanity metrics to get to get in the way. And so, uh, so I very much believe that... Um, Social media today, it just like encourages like narcissism and giving people a megaphone. And, and also like, I, I just think that people need a long time to process ideas and generate opinions. And when I think of my sublime library, the things that I add there are not necessarily deeply held opinions. It's just like a process of making sense of things, um, which I think feels very different from this sort of like black or white, uh, completely sort of binary social environment. Yeah. I was just going to say, I mean, right, right off. I wonder if we could even tell like maybe two stories because it sounded like within that is almost like two stories. One at that like original moment where the idea like left your brain and kind of like entered the world. Maybe that's like when you published like that very early version of Startup. I don't know if some like what particular moment makes sense to you, but and then maybe like fast forward and talk about a moment in which like some steps beyond where it's, it's really like about making that thing polished. I, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but yeah, you, 
Yeah. You know, I think the thing that's interesting and the thing that I, that I've sort of learned or, or my experience with all this is that it's not necessarily that there's one aha moment. It's just like, cause for me, I basically, I started, you know, this like never an intention of building anything. Just, uh, I started curating a database on Airtable. Then one day I was like, why, you know, why am I doing this alone? I should be doing this with more people. Um, and then, you know, and then, you know, oh, I, I, yeah, I'm doing consulting for a living, but really as a consultant, I'm just collecting and connecting ideas. So why not try to like monetize this knowledge? So it wasn't like, I don't think I, I, I think a lot of people think of like just the spiritual enlightenment moment of I am going to build a company. And for me, it's, it's been more of a gradual process of just following this curiosity very like from, from literally just like me, um, creating a database on Airtable to now building Sublime, which is, which I'd like th- describe as like a simpler, more communal way to build your second brain. So it's interesting that there there have been key moments. And I, I think that some of the key moments are around the belief capital that other people have given me. Like the moment that really incredible people said, this is an incredible vision, like here's some money. Like that, that's, those are like turning points. But uh, but I think what I what would be really fun to get into in this conversation is just how, like, as we've navigated this problem space, which is so vast, um, how we've sort of narrowed um, the the focus and and like found our way. I love it. Um, have you found your way? We found a way, um, and so <laughs> we're you know we're we're gonna like you know like I said we're gonna we're gonna put that way um, you know um, see 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 what happens, but. I think the other thing is the importance of focus and simplicity cannot be overstated. I think when you when you tell people, you know, you are building a human-centered compass for navigating the web, you are building a repository for all that is interesting to you. Uh, you know, these are such sort of like big statements that in some ways like one of the challenges with Sublime and and it's it's funny because I used to like do positioning work for other startups in my sleep. Like this was, you know, I, I worked at a startup studio for a few years and this is like what I did and it was very easy. And now when I'm doing it for Sublime, it's so hard. And I think a big part of it is because as founders, we have this tendency to try to hedge against uncertainty and try to sort of boil the ocean uh, instead of saying, you know what? Like, here's our next step. We're going to make 5,000 people fall in love with this tool enough to pay for it. That milestone forces you to build something that 5,000 people love instead of 1 million people like. Uh, So there's been little moments like this that are just like, you realize you've been sort of thinking about it wrong all along. Um, And it's funny that I don't think the product is all that different, but but the narrative is when you're trying to speak to, you know, like that subset of people. How is that liberating? I think that there is this tendency to want to make yourself so legible to everybody. And being a founder requires having a willingness to be misunderstood for a long time. Like even, you know, if you think back to like, you know, Instagram, very simple product, share photos. I think I came across a Reddit post from like the time Instagram launched where someone was like, oh, you know, I came across this app, not really sure what I could do with it, but it sounds like, you know, I can like take photos on my phone. Not really sure what I would use that for, but like, we sort of take for granted the things that like, you know, we do today. But the reality is that you have to be okay with being misunderstood and, and sort of finding your people 
early on. And, and I think that for the journey that we're on, it's built something that's so relevant and so meaningful for the people that it's destined to serve. So, you know, when you first created the Airtable, was it, it was intended just for you, right? Like the first entries in the Airtable were things that you were interested about, or, or did you kind of know from, from the very beginning that you wanted this to be multiplayer? You know, I, no, I didn't know that I wanted it to be multiplayer. I think that early on, uh, what was happening. So I was running strategy for a startup studio. I was also doing some like venture stuff. So I'd be connected to a founder building up marketplace startup. And I had read something really interesting and insightful. And then I'd have to like mine to find it. Um, and, you know, it would take me like 10, 15 minutes to like find the article again. So initially I was like, you know what? I want to have like, you know, here's all the marketplace reading stuff and here's all this stuff. And um, I'll have it for myself. And then that way, when I talk to someone, I could be like, you know, fi- easily find it and share it. So I think that my original intention was more organize my own little knowledge base so that it can help me you know, serve others and like just help me with my work and my writing and my building. Um, so, so, but I think very quickly I realized this is valuable. Um, and this would also be more valuable. Like I also realized I'm putting a lot of like, this is a lot of just like effort, um, trapped on Airtable, And I love doing this, but like, why am I spending all this time doing this if it's not really serving others? And I think that the other moment was, I'd been cur- I'd been writing a newsletter for some time, and I uh, decided to sell access to this Airtable database, and about 400 people bought access to it. And I was, yeah. So that was like a moment of you know, curated information is valuable. Like when you decided to do that, did that? Did you like get feedback from people? I mean, because it's kind of a crazy thing, or, or it, it was or at least my perception about it at the time was like, wow, this is so cool. This feels very different and super interesting, and. And like, you know, I definitely want to be part of this. I don't even think I knew what I was buying exactly. It just felt like something that I, I want. Um, so maybe like, how did you come to that decision to just, you know, have people pay for this, this air table that you've been working on? I think I, at the time, I already knew that I wanted to go from this like single player thing to a multiplayer thing. And I like, I, I needed like some money to do that. And so I was like, you know what, let me validate this idea first, sell access. And then take the proceeds of that and see if I can actually build some interface to do this multiplayer. Um, I, maybe on Airtable, it's easier to do this today, but it wasn't all that obvious how you could just like build something mul- multiplayer on Airtable. And I think, I mean, one of the challenges that we have is just like combining the single player utility with this like collective graph. Uh, but on Airtable, those things all con- conflate. Um, but I think that to me, it was just like, let me just validate this that this like people are willing to pay for it. And if so, then it's like low risk. Let me just build out an interface kind of thing. So it's funny. I don't think I was, I wasn't like dreaming as big uh, as I am today. Uh, if that makes sense. It was like one step at a time. What like tiny little footsteps. I had one more before we get into the, a ju- another juicy story, which is um, I'm really curious about the end state. Like, like when you think about, where this product is, is going and 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 how that end state might be inspiring. Like if it does what you want it to do, what does the world look like? What does that do for the internet? Yeah, I love that question. Um, there's a lot of things that I dream about on the internet. Uh, and so, you know, I think that one thing that I really want Sublime to be is a tool that helps people uh, find meaning in the information chaos, 
right? Like we are just all stuck in this endless consumption loop. So if we can help people find meaning and information chaos, uh, create new forms of knowledge with the knowledge that they're already sort of consuming and help them connect ideas. Like that's like, that's like a big part of it. It's just like find meaning in this information fire hose. I think the other piece is that with Sublime, I just, I want a space on the internet that feels like intellectually and creatively recharging. And I think that if you design for the, explicitly for that purpose versus for optimizing for engagement or, you know, entertainment, uh, the outcome is just very, very different. So, so for me, there's something about just a calmer, more intellectually nourishing internet. I love that. Um, Okay, so maybe we rewind for a moment, if that's okay, Joey. Um, and maybe we touch on the journey of finding your first designer. So you teased this earlier. Um, tell us some context there and just what it took to finally find someone that really hit. So I think that, you know, back to, uh, you know, I have this Airtable. I launch um, this community to curate and collect knowledge in multiplayer mode with this sort of funky, janky buggy product, uh, immediately I can sense that this like struck a chord in the sense that there's something here that's like tapped into the zeitgeist. But I also immediately can tell that the product is mediocre. And that was like a sad and overwhelming moment because I wanted to build something that was really amazing. And I, I just like, like the product was just, was just like missing a strong notion of utility and product design and usability and, you know, I, and, and so like I got, like, I was like overcome in this moment by like, I need to find somebody who can help me translate this vision that I know is powerful, that I know people believe in into something better. So we, we were working with this designer, uh, really wonderful designer. He was a senior product designer at Netflix at the time. Then he moved on to Apple. And he said, like, I have limited bandwidth. So I could still help you, but we're going to need to find someone else. Why don't you post in this community? And, you know, we posted in this community um, this designer, um, Yanis, uh, magically responded, was interested in like learning more. Um, I hopped on a call with him and then, you know, I shared like all of the work we had done at this time. We had been like two months into product design stuff. And he looked at it and he's like, I really believe in what you're doing, but what you've built is shit. And, and, and in that moment, I was like, I really like you because you're the first person that's been honest with me. And it's not just trying to like, bill me hours and like, you know, like just like follow instructions, but rather engage with like the core problem set and question. Like, why is this here? Why does this work this way? What is your ultimate goal? So I think that finding this person set us on a track. Uh, and it, yeah, it, it was like, it was hard because we had been, we were starting from scratch many times and you're catching me in this like messy middle in the sense that we've been like heads down building this thing for a while. Um, and for a lot of people, it's like, you know, our, what, like you're MIA, but we started from scratch many times. You know, when something's not working well, um, it's almost like you need to just grit your teeth and do more, or try harder, you know, especially if you've been sitting with a problem for a long time, which I know. And so, you know, you've been working on that problem for a long time. And now it's like, you, you know, you need someone to come in and challenge. What was it? Were, were there moments where you considered that it was just something that you needed to figure out? Like, what was the, when was the moment where you're like, no, this isn't about me figuring something out. It is like fundamentally about bringing someone else in who has a different perspective. I think the most important job that you have as a, as a founder early on is to achieve clarity on what you want to build. 
And I don't think that that clarity is for hire. I don't think you hire a consultant and they tell you, Hey, like this is the opportunity. So I, you know, so I, I don't think that, um, that finding this designer was a replacement for me doing a lot of the hard work. Um, and continuing to, to do it, frankly, like day in and day out. Like, what is this? What is this not? Um, but I do think that putting me in conversation with somebody that understands how to like build interfaces, um, is just like fundamentally like, because yeah, a lot, like a lot of the, the things that I wanted to accomplish, um, like when I would sh- like say these things out loud, Yanis would be like, you know, like normal people are not going to do this. Like this feels like, you know, you are like, you know, like telling somebody to like learn how to like drive a plane, like dumb it down. And so there, like there, there were these like moments when you're actually like designing a product that in some ways, until you are like on Figma, actually like, you know, putting things into a screen, you can't fully discern. So I guess like hiring someone at that point was important because I needed to be in conversation with the product um, like 24 seven. I do think that it's very easy to fall into the trap of saying like, you know, something's not working. Let me hire a marketing person and try to like, you know, it's, that's like a bandaid solution because you know, you don't know what you're building. And so you're asking somebody to grow something when you're just like fundamentally not clear on what this thing is. Um, but I think with product, it's, it's different because you want to be like, you want to stress test your ideas against like the reality of like, how does this look and feel to somebody using it on the other side who frankly doesn't care about your vision. They just care about what you can do for them. Yeah. Do, do you think that if the world was full of sorries, like if there were hundred thousand clones of you, that the original version of startup would have been more successful? So is it a problem that you were building too much for yourself or, or just really like, you know, you needed help thinking about how to build a product you know, that kind of solves that problem that you are, that you care about? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I think that, so with startup essentially the, the promise or the thing that we were trying to build was not software to help you collect ideas. The, the, like the end game was if Wikipedia is great for facts, uh, where do you go where you want to get like the most interesting subjective opinions on X? So almost like a human curated search engine. So if Google has been SEO'd into ruin uh, and you type in like, you know, how to be happy and you're going to get just like all this content marketing garbage, how do you actually like optimize for like, uh, for just like really great human results? And I think there was a lot of excitement for that mission. I think we, you know, like there were some promising signals there. I think that the decision that we had to make at some point was, do we go further? Like there, there were like, there were like, different paths that we could have taken. One is like, you know, the, the, the end game of a tool where any, everyone can like, you know, build their own graph. The other approach was like a more editorial approach where you, you know, you decide what curators to let in, what, what, like who to let in, who to not let in. And then you have this like very curated cohort of people. Um, and, um, you know, I think that I was, I was less excited about like, creating a very exclusive community that was more editorialized and you know like that it felt less compelling for me to be like a gatekeeper of who can curate who cannot and then the third approach was more of like a wikipedia approach how to create how do we create this wikipedia approach i don't i don't think it's impossible i think that you know as you know joey like the big question for me was like what is the incentive to contribute 
And I was very interested in like ownership as an incentive. Uh, I think Wikipedia is still like a world wonder. The fact that they've been able to orchestrate all of this work is still impressive. I don't think anything comes close. Uh, but um, I think that people kept asking for that individual utility and saying like, I really want to contribute, but you know, I already like collect my stuff here. Can you like build a plugin to, you know, so I just like, I, I started feeling this just like pull from people towards this like other direction. Uh, but I don't think that like one or the other would have been wrong. I actually think that had we, because the, the metaphor for Startupy and Sublime are very different. On Startupy, the metaphor is like, you are contributing to this graph. You are doing this because you like in the same way that a, an editor would contribute to Wikipedia. Uh, on Sublime, the metaphor is actually like, you are doing this for yourself, but it's bigger than you. You know, you're doing something for yourself, but there is this like feeling of like, there's something bigger than you here. Um, and so, you know, I, I still have like bits and pieces of that. Like for me, the, the, even like with Sublime that we're building now, it would be infinitely easier to build this product to be single player only. Like there is no follow graph. You can't see other people's. You're just making sense of your own things, building your own graph. But I still very much love this idea of instead of broadcasting, which is what we do on social, quietly exposing an archive of the things you find interesting and still sort of quietly like hinting at this sort of more human curated compass uh, for the web. So I guess that was just a long-winded way to say, I don't think there was like a right or wrong answer. I just think my, I like, I got more and more pulled in the direction of, you know, like, let me give myself license to build software. Yeah. All right. Last question on, on this, and then I'll, I'll turn it over. But describe a little bit that process, I guess, over the last months. And and maybe like, I think we've, we've all, or, you know, many people who are listening probably have been in this moment of like existential need to undo and rebuild and, you know, would, would you do anything different? Is it about having more late night, you know, conversations over a glass of wine? Is is it, you know, just about spending time together? Like, what what are your reflections after having, like, gone through that with someone who came in kind of with fresh eyes on something you've had been thinking about for a long time? Yeah, um, trying to, like, think about how to best answer that question. I think that, yeah, I, like, I'm still, I still very much feel like we are in this messy middle. Uh, and certainly like the path that I took, uh, was one of, instead of just like continue to like make small iterations on startupy and like, you know, small incremental improvements, I took the path of just like, fuck it, let's start from scratch. And I think that back to your question, like there were a lot of promising signs with, uh, with startupy. I would say the execution wasn't great. And in some ways, when you put an idea out into the world and it doesn't work as well as you expect it to, it's hard to know if it's the idea, if it's the execution, if, you know, like, it, like I don't think these things are so cut and dry. And, and that's why like strategy work is, is so hard because you could argue there's like that it was working and I just needed to like make it less buggy, make it more performant, you know, make it mobile friendly. Like, you know, it was like so basic. And so... My view, um, and I think that's why like building today is a lot harder than before, is that building a, a company in 23 is a lot different than building a company in 2012. I think 10 years ago, Reid Hoffman said something like, if you're not embarrassed by the first version of your product, you've launched too late. And I think that today, 
the market and, and, and certainly like I'm speaking from the perspective of like our space and this like, you know, knowledge management, productivity worlds, but there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of like, you know, and I think that an underrated way to succeed at something is simply to be like 10 times better than the alternative. And that takes time. Are you, are you someone who thrives in that messy middle? Like, what does it feel like to be in that space? I think it feels really hard. Uh, I think that um, I'm very much aware that the, the process and the journey is going to be more rewarding than the destination, ultimately. So, you know, like, I understand how, like, if, like, you know, we launch Sublime and it's like, you know, it takes us five, 10 years to be super successful. Like, you know, like once you make it to that end state, like it's, you know, you don't, you don't feel that same sense of like satisfaction that you like that right now, I, I think is like the thing that I'm working towards. So I'm sort of like aware of how much the journey is the, is the prize. Um, I'm a very ambitious person. I'm de- devoting like you know, lots of like work hours, trading off a lot of like personal time and other things, uh, you know, uh, money, because financially, like at the moment, this is not the most lucrative thing I could be doing. Um, and there's no guarantee of an outcome, right? Like I, I am like committed to making this work and I want to, I, and, and I want to build a, an enduring business and in digital institution, but it's highly uncertain, um, you know, and anyone that's like building in, in startups. And I think that's just a tough like space to inhabit. Um, it's just like, you don't, you just don't know. Yeah. I have a few closing questions. How's that sound? Thinking about other founders who are going through particularly sticky, complex, challenging problems, you know, they're trying to figure out product market fit. They're trying to figure out their business. Um, you've had a really fascinating sometimes tumultuous road the last few years. Any big picture principles you have or pieces of advice for folks who are going through that messy middle? Honestly, like the thing that I've come around to as somebody who has spent a lot of time also like reading a lot of advice, asking a lot of people for advice, is that there are no rules. You have to define your own rules because sometimes I'll talk to someone and they'll be like, you know, like launch this fast. Like you don't know how people are going to use it until you put it out there. And like, that's certainly true. But then, you know, look at Figma. I think they built for four years before they made a single penny. And then, you know, year five, they started to monetize and grew. And so I I guess like there's, there are so like advice is so context specific. There are so many different ways to succeed. So many different, like, you know, like I, I think that you just have to make your own rules. I think that especially for founders that are pre-product market fit, the moment that you put a product out there, you're already thinking incrementally. How do I improve this one thing? And I think the time before you found that product market fit is the time to actually ignore competition, ignore the space, just like heads down and think from first principles. And, and you know, even though it's very hard, it's also, I think, where there's more room to have like better ideas. Um, so I think that's like in some ways freeing. So if somebody's going through their own like crucibles because this stuff is really hard, um, I would say like, yeah, I, I would just say that there's something very liberating about, you know, you're not responding to like this bug and like incremental need, but rather like, you know, like starting from scratch is like, is, is like very powerful. There's something about when you don't have a product out there 
there's a huge amount of pressure that you feel to get a product out there. So in, in some ways, sometimes it feels like when everything is working, you know, it's the easiest time to think big and think deep because you feel like there's something that's, that's moving, right? So you, you're, you don't have this urge to get something moving again. So I, I guess like, you know, taking months, in your case, like six months and, and, you know, having that, giving yourself that space, but, but like letting it take its time. Like, how have you found ways to do that? I, I mean, it, that's like, I definitely feel a lot of pressure. Um, I think that like just building software is, is, is not like easy. I think we take for granted because um, we have all these incredible apps and tools, but, you know, it's a lot of work. I think that you need time to create something good, but it's also true that it typically takes several iterations to get to this sort of like implementation of the idea that actually delivers value. So it's, I think it's an art more than a science. Like, you know, you don't need, like you need a rough draft of something and then you need to like iterate from there. Like it takes several iterations of something to, to get it right. And in order to, to, you have to be in conversation with people in order to iterate as well. This was so much fun, Sari. I'm great, great to meet you. Likewise, likewise. Um, thank you both. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. And thanks as always to Seed Club for sponsoring the Unlock and making this happen. Please, if you liked what you heard, do take a minute to subscribe and follow both the Unlock and Joey and I on Twitter. We will see you next time. Thanks, friends.